It is not often I look behind me, peer into the darkness, stare into the abyss of the black night, waiting for something to present itself. Well, it was not often. Lately I am driven by the shivers in my spine to look back, but as often as I would like, I find nothing there. Yet it feels as if there should be, but I am quite aware of the eye's ability to deceive one's mind. The elevated sense of being watched grows daily within my ever-diligent soul, and this for sure can cause the eyes to create terrors in the dark that just aren't there. It was not long ago that I would have enjoyed a peaceful, tranquil night right in my home, reading a fine book, pondering the day's events and what is to come. It was not until my new neighbor moved in a few weeks ago that I began to feel dread. A strange fellow indeed, for he moved in with almost nothing, as far as I could tell. A traveler or a wanderer, a man with simple taste. Simple enough to not need a couch or a fanciful chair. Our first meeting was rather dull, except for his grandiose smile. A smile that stretched far and wide on his face, seemingly instilling a picture of fear in my eyes. Nevertheless, he made no sounds or words just peered at me with those piercing blue eyes. On any other, they may have been gentle and pleasant. A welcome invitation for conversation, but from him, they burned into my eyes. Clearly, he is just a regular man that my eyes do not trust. My eyes try to trick me into thinking he is anything other than a simple man living his simple life. But if my eyes could speak, they would attempt to warn me of the dangers his presence imposes. <laughs> foolishness. Not long after my ears joined in on the fun for the sounds began. Small sounds echoing from my door. A rattle, ever so faint, had it not been for me standing attentively by my door, I would not have seen it with my own eyes. My step alerted whoever rattled my door of my presence. Surely that is why they stopped. It seems as though this didn't prevent the would-be intruder from proceeding with their scheme to haunt me daily as, from that day forward, there has been a gentle rousing of terror around me. The darkness within my home at times feels as if it houses other entities. I often stare into the unlit corners of my home, waiting for something or someone to peer back at me. Minutes, sometimes hours, pass before I can look away, completely satisfied with my solitary confinement. Yet, there are times I believe I see something move ever so gently in the dark, as if the dark could possess different apertures to adjust the light dying within it. I often find myself walking through my home, believing I hear other footsteps behind me. How <laughs> the echoes of my own taunt me, I believe. Yet, these echoes force me to look behind, and at times, my eyes. They play tricks. I see what I think at first are the shuffling of the dark light bending around figures that aren't there. How foolish could I be to allow my eyes to play such tricks? Even now, the relentlessness of my eyes refuse to give up on causing me terror. I sit here on my fanciful chair, staring into the darkness across from me. <laughs> and you would not believe what my eyes today attempt to trick me with. As I've stared into the darkness, going on to my third hour, my eyes have decided to show me two others. Two blue piercing eyes staring back at me. And below them, <laughs> I must chuckle to myself. 
as my eyes there deceive my mind, showing me a large, grandiose smile. Welcome to Myths, Mysteries, and Monsters. Today, we're looking at a man known for instilling terror and fear to many generations. His short stories and poems reflecting his life in sadness and intrigue. And if his writings were not enough to cement his legacy, his death is marred in a mystery that is still unsolved today. Today, we're looking at the mysterious death of Edgar Allan Poe. First, we'll look at his tragic life, then at the mysterious events and circumstances of his death, and finally, look at the theories as to what may have happened to cut Edgar Allan Poe's life short. Is it possible his death was from a prior medical condition? Or was he left beaten to death by a group as part of a political plot for votes? This is the life and mysterious death of Edgar Allan Poe. Part 1. The Life From childhood's hour I have not been. As others were, I have not seen. As others saw, I could not awaken. My heart to joy at the same tone. And all I've loved, I have loved alone. Edgar Allan Poe Edgar Poe was born on January 19, 1809, in Boston, Massachusetts, to actors Elizabeth Arnold Poe and David Poe. It wasn't long before Poe would face his first familial trauma, as his father abandoned the family when he was only a year old. This left Elizabeth Poe alone to care for her three children, as she attempted to make ends meet by traveling and acting. The very next year, Elizabeth Poe died from tuberculosis, surrounded by her children. After this, Poe was separated from his brother and younger sister, and taken in by a wealthy tobacco merchant, John Allen and his wife, Frances Valentine Allen. Although not formally adopted, the Allens changed Edgar Poe's name to Edgar Allen Poe. The business-minded Allen would continuously bump heads with Edgar, as he got older in his attempts to make him a businessman, while Poe dreamt, even from an early age, to be a writer and a poet. In 1826, at the age of 17, Poe left for the University of Virginia, but prior to leaving, he would become engaged to a Sarah Amira Royster. Although Poe wrote Sarah various letters during his time at the university, her father disapproved of the engagement and destroyed every letter Poe had sent to Sarah prior to her seeing them. Poe's ill fortunes would continue as John Allen chose to send Poe to the university with only a third of what was needed to pay for the classes. Poe would have to turn to gambling in order to make money. This eventually led him to a much greater debt, with staunch refusal from Allen to send more money or to cover the debts. During this time, it is said Poe started developing, or at least displaying, more concrete signs of depression with manic episodes. Destitute and cold, Poe resorted to burning his only bit of furniture in order to keep warm in the cold winter months of Virginia. Before the year was up, Poe dropped out, unable to pay for school or his debts. And upon his return home, he found his fiancée Sarah had become engaged with another man. Heartbroken and angry, the continued fights with John Allen did little to quell Poe, leading him to enlist in the United States Army lying about his age in order to get in. Poe's life started to look up as he published his first book, Tamerlane and Other Poems, and in two years reached the rank of Sergeant Major for Artillery. Yet, good fortunes would never last long in the life of Edgar Allan Poe. 
On February 28, 1829, Poe's foster mother, Frances Virginia Allen, would die. Given an appointment to the military academy in New York, Poe, unwilling to stay with a now-widowed John Allen, decided to move to Baltimore temporarily with his aunt Maria Clem, her daughter Virginia Clem, and to finally reunite with his brother Henry. After purposely being court-martialed to be thrown out of the academy, Poe would return to Maria Clem and the family in March of 1831. But on August 1st, 1831, Poe's brother Henry would die, due in part to alcoholism. This event would trigger Poe to become more serious, pursuing his dream, and began to sell short stories to magazines, eventually acquiring a job as an editor for a Southern Literary Messenger in 1835. In 1836, when Poe was 27, he would marry his now 13-year-old cousin Virginia. The following 10 years would be a prosperous decade for Poe's writing, as he would go on to edit various publications and write many of his most famous tales. Tales such as The Tell-Tell Heart, The Fall of the House of Usher, The Murder in Rue Morgue, and in 1845, The Raven. With the publication of The Raven, Edgar Allan Poe would become a household name and gain him the national fame he desired. Despite this, Poe still struggled financially as he was unable to sell most of his works for a substantial amount of money. Arguably his best work, The Raven, was sold for just $9, which is about $305 in today's money. Poe also struggled during his time with several bouts of depression and alcoholism as his wife Virginia Poe had become ill with tuberculosis. And on January 30th of 1847, Virginia Poe would succumb to the disease. Many have said her death led Poe into a tailspin of self-destruction. His depression and alcoholism worsened, causing Poe to act erratically at times. In 1848, Poe would even attempt suicide, writing, I went to bed and wept through a long, long, hideous night of despair. In 1849, Poe would reunite with his first fiancée, the now-widowed Sarah Elmira Royster. Soon after, the two resumed the relationship and had become engaged. But, just a few months later, Edgar Allan Poe was dead. Part 2. The Death I have made no money. I am as poor now as I ever was in life. Except in hope, which is by no means bankable. Edgar Allan Poe During the summer of 1849, Edgar Allan Poe was seemingly overcoming his demons. Some accounts say he had experienced only two relapses of his oppressive episodes and was preparing to head to Philadelphia for an editing job. For unknown reasons, Poe would stop in Baltimore, and for five days there was no account of his whereabouts. On October 3rd of 1849, Poe was found delirious and at times unresponsive in the streets of Baltimore, outside of a polling place being used for an election. The curious state he was in would only deepen when it was realized he wasn't wearing his own clothes, and when conscious, would repeatedly yell out the name Reynolds. Poe was sent to Washington College Hospital, where the attending physician, Dr. John Moran, oversaw him during his last days on earth. Dr. Moran would claim Edgar Allan Poe's final words were, Lord, help my poor soul. Edgar Allan Poe died on October 7th, 1849, alone, secluded from the world, in a hospital's prison-like room with barred windows, reserved 
for drunks. Sarah Waster would not learn of his death for another month from the newspapers. The same newspapers would list his death as cerebral inflammation, a term used in place of alcoholism. Yet, Poe in his last years of his life had joined the temperance movement, a group against the consumption of alcohol. And other questions still remained. Why was Poe in Baltimore? Who or what was Reynolds? Why was Poe dressed in clothes that did not fit or even belong to him? What actually killed Edgar Allan Poe? Part 3. The Theories The Danger His Past And the lingering illness is over at last. And the fever called living is conquered at last. Edgar Allan Poe the first theory we'll look at was commonly accepted at the time, alcoholism. The reason this was accepted at the time was due to two men, Dr. Joseph Snodgrass, a friend of Poe, and Rufus Griswold, a literary rival of Poe. When Dr. Joseph Snodgrass arrived at the scene where Poe was found, he immediately assumed Poe was drunk. Snodgrass was a stern supporter of the temperance movement and used Poe as an example to popularize the movement. Yet, Dr. John Moran would later state that Poe had not the slightest odor of liquor upon his breath or person. Despite Moran's contradiction, the rumors would still spread, large part in due to Rufus Griswold, who penned Poe's obituary and his first biography, both of which painted him as a depraved drunk. While Poe's friends denounced the claims, the biography was still widely accepted at the time and for many years after, negatively skewing the views many had on Poe. The second theory we'll look at is the possibility of Edgar Allan Poe being a victim of cooping. In the mid-1800s, cooping was a form of voter fraud, wherein backers of a candidate would kidnap and force strangers to vote for their candidates multiple times under threats of violence. If we remember, Poe was not only found outside of a polling place, being used for an election, but also on October 3rd, which was an election day in Baltimore that year. On top of this, voters at the time were given alcohol as a reward for voting. If Poe was forced to vote multiple times, taking multiple drinks, and possibly being beaten multiple times, this could explain how he was found. If the cause of death listed in the papers is to be taken literally, a blow to the head is a possible cause to the cerebral inflammation he died of. The final theory we'll look at is a more recent one, proposed by Dr. R. Michael Benitez in 1996. During a conference, doctors were given anonymous patients and were tasked to find a case of deaths based on the original attending physician's notes. Dr. Benitez took the emitting symptoms of lethargy and confusion, then the spiraling symptoms of delirium, visual hallucinations, rapid changing pulse rates, shallow breathing, and concluded the patient was suffering from rabies. On top of the symptoms, the median survival rate for serious rabies infection is four days, which matches Poe's last days. It wasn't until the diagnosis that Benitez was told he had diagnosed Edgar Allan Poe. It is important to note, rabies usually also presents with hydrophobia, that is the fear of water, and there are conflicting reports on whether this was the case with Poe. Benitez would also state, without a DNA test, it would be impossible to conclude with 100% accuracy that Poe died of rabies. While we looked at three more prominent theories today, there are a whole host of other theories. It also doesn't help that Dr. Moran, the last person to be with Poe alive, was an unreliable source and had many contradicting statements and notes over the years. On top of this, any actual medical notes and documents, including death certificates, have been lost with time. Other theories range from brain aneurysm or tumor, 
heavy metal or carbon monoxide poisoning, random beatings, the flu, and even murder. We may never know what or who actually killed Edgar Allan Poe. And to this day, we don't know who or what Reynolds was, but we do know Edgar Allan Poe in Gothic literature was a talent like no other. His ability to tell a truly terrifying story on a few pages to be able to craft characters and feelings that reach into our deep emotions may never be surpassed. His legacy, a mysterious death, will forever be cemented in the literary annals of time. Thank you for joining me on today's episodes of Myths, Mysteries, and Monsters. Make sure you come back next week as we'll take a look at a shapeshifter that can turn itself into any creature or human when it wants. My name is Hector. Stories, script, and research are all done by E.L. Soto. Sources are in the show notes for further reading. Subscribe, rate, and review. And remember, always look behind you.